you're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. The Lord brought a very specific word uh, to me in the last couple of days. And I I do believe, and I don't think anybody struggles with this, I I do believe that the Bible captures the most extraordinary, the most spectacular, the most supernatural moments ever lived or spoken by any men or any women of any age. It is remarkable to just see what is captured in the Word of God. There is no statement greater in, in history or more profound to us now than that which is captured here in Scripture. I searched briefly for great, wise, and unusual remarks that were being hailed as inspirational and life-changing. I just did a quick Google search and said, okay, I I want the the most inspiring things that have been captured and said. And uh, I've given you, I'm going to give you a, a short sample. Matter of fact, we'll just see if anybody knows who actually said these things. Here's the first one. In the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. Albert Einstein. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. Almost. Henry Ford. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Somebody ought to get that one. Think about it. How many tries did it take him to invent something? Thomas Edison. There you go. If you want to test a man's character, give him power. Abraham Lincoln. I'm afraid we must make the world honest before we can honestly say to our children that honesty is the best policy. It's going to be a hard one. That's George Bernard Shaw. It ain't over till it's over. Yogi Berra. (laughs) Never ruin an apology with an excuse. Benjamin Franklin. Now, I'm sorry to say, when I looked at this list and I was typing off a few of them, I left out those ones that were the best ones by Oprah and Cher <laughs> and, uh, and Harrison Ford and some of those, because they were right up at the top of the list. The list of great quotes didn't include things like, uh, give me liberty or give me death, or even all men are created equal. Those things didn't make the top 20. Uh, But the one that is dynamically missing from every list was the one statement that changed the world. And it was done in only three words, three English words. The three words are found in John chapter 19, verse 30. Here it is. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The greatest words spoken by the greatest man in the greatest life ever lived 
doesn't make the list. Nobody considers that nothing has ever been said that has been greater by a life that could completely exemplify what was said and it for, to, for it to be so absolutely life-changing. We talked in Bible study this morning about this serious struggle within the Christian world. And it is a struggle. Because most of us have lives, especially prayer lives, where we're simply asking God, what can you do for me? God, I need you to do this. I need you to fix this. I need you to be here. God, I have a long laundry list of my needs, and I need you to come do things for me. And if he's the God who does for you, I will assure you, you will live a disappointed Christian life. By the very nature, you're going to live a disappointed Christian life if he is simply the God who does for you because he will never be able to do enough. And he will never do it like you want him to do it. He will never do it according to your plan and you're going to live with a, with a, a constant question uh, even about the goodness of God. How could he be good if he's not doing what I need him to do? And God says, I will not answer that question. I will not be the God who does for you, especially until you discover the God that I am. If I'm going to put at the top of the list the things he does and say he died for me, he gave his life for me, he paid a price for me, I'm not sure what else I can ask him to do. If he rose from the dead three days later to give me resurrection, if he gave me the Holy Spirit so that he could dwell in me, I'm not sure how long my list is of what I need him to do. But many sit in my office, come and talk, and, and they talk to you, they talk to me. Why isn't God doing what I need him to do? And God is saying, I need for him, that person, to discover who I am because that's the constant in the story. I am, you tell them, I am that I am. When they came searching for Jesus in the garden, and Jesus says, for whom do you search? Jesus of Nazareth, and he answers, I am. I am the I am. Our life won't quite make sense until we discover who he is. With only three words, he brought the summary statement of all prophecy, the birth announcement of all New Testament truth was spoken in those three words, it is finished. Three words that are absolutely pregnant with revelation and meaning. Even now, standing here, it seems that I can, I can barely begin to capture what is held in these three words because those three words explode, I don't care how you say them. It's finished. It explodes in power. Those words explode in revelation. In preparing for this, I went to the Strong's Concordance, and I found it interesting that our English phrase of three words, it is finished in Greek, is simply one word. 
that very likely from the cross all that they heard was one word, finished. Whether it was mighty and with a shout, from a man in extreme anguish or a strained sound in his dying, it does not matter. Because if all he could do in that moment because of the place where he was was whisper, it is finished. I am certain that hell trembled in that moment when they heard those words. Hell heard the last thing that hell ever wanted to hear. It's finished. At one moment, the center of the universe, all attention, if a star could look and a planet could focus, the universe turned their attention to a place called Calvary. The cross stands in the center of all redemption. In the empty tomb, the, the center of our regeneration Go with me to Isaiah 40. I need us to stop. I want us to see something. We, Isaiah 40 ought to be a passage that we, that we read often. I'm not sure it wouldn't hurt us to read it every day. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to begin in verse 10, and I want you to hear something. I want you to be listening to God in the Spirit as I read this because I want Him to reveal something to you because it is your answer this morning. I don't care what your question is, the answer is found in Isaiah 40. And it's not what he's going to do for you. Because he begins to describing who he is. Behold the Lord God, verse 10. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and in his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. I want you to hear the tenderness in those words. A few weeks ago, as I shared it, Danny said he was over here watching it. I'm, I'm holding Charlotte. And, and while we're singing, she's kind of jumping. I mean, she's like she already hears that and wants to be a part of it. But there was a place where she leaned back against me. She began to nestle into my arm. And she would stop every now and then. She would yawn and then she would look up into my eyes. And I'd look down at her and she'd settle in a little bit deeper until she was just so relaxed resting in my arms. You see, that's, what he, that's what's being described here. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Please think, please think of all the water that covers this earth still measured in the cup of his hand. 
and meted out heaven with the span. This is, this is him touching the edges. And comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him. With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he takes up the islands as a very little thing. Are you getting it? What is the size of this God we say we trust? What is the size of this God that in a word announced to you, to me, and shook hell in the process when he says with one word, finished? In whom can I trust? Because some sitting here today have already concluded my problem is bigger than him. Bigger than this God described in Isaiah 40. Your, your problem is bigger than this God. I know, I know person after person, family after family, who's living under that conclusion that God is not big enough. I won't hear those words come from them, but I watch it in their actions. You can see it in their countenance. How did this God, this Christ, become our sin? How did this God who sees nations as drops in a bucket and picks up islands in his hands, how did that God become our sin? I have to be honest. I know that he did. We absolutely trust that fact. But can I, can I understand how he became sin? The answer is absolutely no. No, and I don't think anyone else can either. How did that God become my sin? How did that God become your sin? I believe heaven and earth shook fiercely. We hear of the earthquake that happened at, at Calvary. I believe that wasn't an earthquake that happened. I think eternity from the beginning to the end shook in that moment when Jesus became our sin. I don't know why it became dark in that moment. I looked it up and the scientists say that there was no possible eclipse that covered the sun in that moment. But I will tell you that as the Father, if I'm watching my son take on your shame, I'm going to throw my cloak over him so you can't see it. I'll cover him in my darkness. He took it. He drank that cup that had our filth in it. God says, I'll make it dark in this moment. Let's read that. Luke 23, if you'll go there with me. Whew. 
hard to believe still that he bore our sorrows. He took our shame. He defeated our sin. Luke 23, verse 44. And it was about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said this, he gave up the ghost. God has declared to us, not with uncertainty, but with great clarity, that Jesus, by his baptism, was given access to the fullness of heaven. It says, all of heaven was opened unto him. I believe that his life, I hope you do too, is a lesson to me and to us that can allow us to know that we also have been given access to that storehouse as well. I hope you know that. I hope I'm not going to preach it. I just remind you. At his baptism, he was adopted, he was given authority, but he was given access to the fullness of heaven. I believe in our baptism, when we are baptism, baptized in obedience, I believe that we are adopted, I believe in that moment we are given the authority of the Holy Spirit, and I believe we now get to minister under an open heaven. We have full access to the things of God. I don't think he held anything back, I don't think there was anything left for him to give us. So I want to ask you a question today. Especially now as we can fully realize that we are on the other side of the statement, it is finished. The, this question didn't originate with me, but was posed to me in the writings of a man that I trust. And I want to offer this introduction before I ask you the question. I want you to consider these, these, this introduction, four points. <clears throat> if I'm sitting here today and I fully believe that I am absolutely saved from my identity as a sinner by His blood, if I believe that, if I believe basically that I'm saved by His blood, if I absolutely believe that I have been adopted by Him, and made to be a son and a joint heir with him, if I believe that as well. If I believe that I have been given authority by the receiving of his spirit now living in me, and if I believe like Jesus that I now minister under an open heaven, if I have those four things, I believe I'm saved, I believe I have been adopted and am a son of God, a child of God, I believe that I have the authority that was given to me by the receiving of the Holy Spirit, and I believe like Jesus that I now minister in an open heaven. Here's the question, and I want you to think about it as if you had a piece of paper in front of you and you were right, about to write this answer. Here's the question. With all of that being true, what's the most exciting thing happening in your life right now.
What's the most exciting thing happening in your life right now? Saved, adopted, with full authority, full access to the provision of heaven. What's the most exciting thing that you could tell us about right now that's going on in your life? But more especially, I don't want you to think about directing that answer to me. I want you to think I'm writing this down so that I can offer it to God. God, this is the most exciting thing that's happening in my life right now. Is it about transformation? Is it about healing? Is it about restoration? Is it about salvation? Is it about anointing? Is it about power? Is it about the goodness of God? Is it about the kindness of God? Is it about the glory of God? What's the most exciting thing happening in your life right now as a child of God proclaim and professing, I'm saved, I am his child, I have his authority, I have access to his provision, and I don't have anything to write. Nothing going on in my life. Nothing exciting going on in my story. Again, I don't want you to answer me. Because whether you write it on a piece of paper, He already knows what you're thinking. You've already answered. You may not have wanted to. He's already heard your answer. So just answer straight to him. Go ahead and tell him. Tell him what's the most exciting thing. Tell him, oh, I'm, hey, God, I'm, I'm gaining more knowledge. I'm, man, I'm learning. God, I'm, I'm making more money, God. I am making more money. I'm in this great exercise program. I'm becoming younger. I'm becoming more attractive every day, God. I am working at it. I'm buying the best products. I'm taking the best pills. God, I am working at getting younger. Isn't that exciting, God? I have, God, I have got the newest gadgets. I've got the newest things. God, I, that's my, I, I have an exciting life. I can buy what I want. I'm making more money. God, life is good. Look at all the exciting things going on in my story. God has opened heaven's storehouse to us. Have we, do we even imagine exploring the possibilities of what that means? That you become more knowledgeable, make more money, become more fit. What is the most exciting thing to you going on right now? I want you to take that piece of paper that you wrote that on. I want you to set that aside. Because I want to spiritually hand you another one. You're going to get to sign which one you want to sign, okay? You're going to get to sign the one that, where you wrote the most exciting thing that's happening in your story right now as a child of God. Set that aside. There's a line down there for your signature in just a second. There's another one I'm going to offer over here, and you're going to get, you're going to, get to sign one or the other. 
I don't really think you can sign both. This is what the second one says. I've already written it for you. Father, I am ready. I am ready for you to do through me the magnificent, the profound, the simple, the loving, the kind, and the tender things that you have a desire to do by your Spirit now living in me. Father, I am ready. I don't want the boring anymore. I don't want the mundane anymore. I, want, I don't want the routine anymore. I want the very dynamic of God now living in me, this saved person, paid for by the blood of Jesus, adopted by one who could, who could adopt me in a way that no one else could, to give me the authority as a child of God and to give me that amazing provision of, the, of giving me full access to heaven. Father, I want my life to reflect what you have done, who you are. I want my story to tell your story. And Father, I am tired of anything less. I am ready. Now you get to decide which one you sign. Satan knew. He knew that this was a dreaded moment. I wonder how many hundreds or thousands of years he had dreaded the moment when he hears these words. He tried with great effect and great effort to stop him at every turn, even back as far as the book of Genesis. He was extremely successful when he stirred up the hatred of religious people who would crucify his nemesis named Jesus. That was quite a feat to stir up the people who were saying that someday there's someone coming because we can read it in this book, the Pharisees and the Sadducees announcing someday someone's coming and turn the very hearts of those religious men to where they would come to a place where they would crucify the very one promised. Satan was good at it. But he dreaded that moment when on the cross it was announced. Finished. Finished. In that moment, your salvation was complete. Your sin forgiven. Your identity as a sinner removed. All it took at that point was for you to choose to agree with what he had already done. And the question now is, does my life look like the mystery that was intended by the power that he gave me? What is the most exciting thing going on in your life right now? Father, we, we know that you already know the answer that's written on these pages. They signed one. You can only sign one. Either I'm going to live still just waiting for what you can do for me with nothing to declare, 
no testimony to share, nothing to tell about the exciting things that the Father who loves me is doing through me, nothing to tell. Or I can announce in this moment, Father, it may not have been that way up to now, but Father, I'm ready. Spirit, I'm ready for you to move through me, to do in me and by me what only you can do because I don't want my life at the end of my days to be one that was not well spent. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the access to heaven, the full provision of your, of your Spirit. And now our announcement is simple. Spirit, we are ready. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.